Very well. So here we are, and it is the last Sunday of the month, last day of the month of uh, January uh, 2021, the Feast of St. John Bosco. And so, uh, as, as I mentioned, I don't know if all of you are familiar with this book. It doesn't look golden and shiny like this anymore. Uh, they changed the... Uh, there's a new edition of it out, which is wonderful, because this book had been out of print for a while, and I, and I'm sure many other people, wrote to Ignatius Press to protest that it wasn't in print, because this is one of the finest spiritual books that I have ever come across. Not that I've come across that many of them, but um, it's called The Spiritual Direction of St. Claude La Colombier. Well, it says St. Claude de La Colombier, which is incorrect. His name was St. Claude La Colombier without the de. And so uh, the, you might see some used copies that look like this, but the, the new one, same artwork, except that it's navy blue and it's not glossy. It's like a matte navy blue color. It's actually very beautiful. And um, so what this is, as I mentioned, it's a greatest hits of sorts. Um, someone, I think she was an, an English nun approximately a hundred years ago, Mother M. Philip, IBVM of the Bar Con Convent in York, translated these snippets from French, 17th century French, into 20th century English and um, did a, a wonderful job, God bless her, wherever she is, God rest her soul. And she uh, arranged, she just took little snippets here and there, arranged them by topic. So for example, uh, I'll just have a quick glance at the table of contents. You have on Holy Mass, on Holy Communion, on Confession, on Humility and Simplicity, on the world, on the duties of our state of life, on vocation, on peace of soul, on making a retreat, etc. It's a wonderful book, and it's, so, it's very easy to read because the snippets are relatively short. And um, really, he's, Claude La Colombier is one of my heroes. As probably all of you know, I used to be a Jesuit, and so I really, my, I, look, I, I look up to the, the great Jesuits of, of yesteryear, unfortunately. And um, uh, he is definitely one of them, St. Claude La Colombier. And he was uh, a, I mean, it's, it's a good thing to mention a thing or two about him. Uh, he was uh, French, and uh, he was very educated. And from a human perspective, he should have taught at one of the fine universities of Europe, uh, perhaps philosophy or something like that, or, or at one of the Jesuit academies that by the time of his birth, in the, you know, the mid-17th uh, century, there were, there were already plenty of. But um, the Holy Spirit was in charge of the situation, and he winds up being assigned as chaplain to a monastery of the visitation. Just curious because one of his biological sisters was a visitandine herself, although not in this particular convent. And uh, in this little town called Paris-le-Monial in, in, the, the, in the region of Burgundy, 
where the famous wine comes from, uh, in, in France. And um, Paris de Monial was a little podunk back then, and it still is today. It's about a two-hour train ride from the city of Lyon, which is the old capital of, the, of Gaul. Um, so he was assigned there, and uh, he immediately was, was struck by the, the presence and the aura, to call it that, of Margaret Mary, and became his spiritual director. Margaret Mary had been having doubts about the validity of the messages that she had been receiving from the Sacred Heart, and Jesus reassured her, saying, I will send you my friend, my true friend. And this friend came in the form of Claude la Colombier, who assured her that her, her, her perceptions were real, that she wasn't going crazy. And, you know, she always felt that, but because her superior and her fellow novices had been so against her, she was really starting to question everything. And so he reassured her. Then he, because, you know, whenever you try to promote the Sacred Heart of Jesus, barriers always come up. So he gets yanked by his superior, and he gets sent not to teach, but he gets sent to to the court of St. James in London, which, you know, think about it, London in the 1600s. (laughs) This was not, Roman Catholicism was not welcome. But uh, the queen consort, uh, Maria of Modena, uh, a beautiful young Italian woman, was a devout Catholic, and so he became her spiritual director and was allowed to say mass in her private chapel. Although anyone tried to say mass outside would have been would have been executed. But um, so it was. This was around the time of the, the Guy Fawkes, or Guy Fawkes, um, the, the gunpowder, whatever, plot. So that happened, and Guy Fawkes, who was a Roman Catholic, was executed, and so immediately Claude, being Roman Catholic, being French, and being a Jesuit, forget it. Uh, he was thrown into a dungeon in the Tower of London where he, like his predecessor centuries earlier, was just became very sick and weakened by maltreatment. I'm thinking of St. John Chrysostom. And uh, anyway, uh, the King of France, uh, Louis XIV, uh, the Sun King, Louis XIV, um, intervened on his behalf. And uh, he was deported to France. And... Um, he went back to Paris de Monial. But at this point, he was in his early 40s, and uh, he was just very, very sick, and he died a short time after that. So, and he is buried, uh, well, not buried, but he lies, and uh, his uh, bones are on display in the Jesuit residence in Paris de Monial, which is about three blocks away, I think, from the Monastery of the Visitation, where Margaret Mary uh, uh, rests. So um, great, not one of the more famous Jesuits, but uh, he is canonized. He was canonized much later. Margaret Mary was canonized by, um, I think, Benedict XV in the the early 20s. And then um, Claude was beatified in 1970 by Paul VI and canonized around 1992 
by John Paul II. So fairly late developments. But, um, you know, they're both amazing saints. Margaret Mary, of course, is very famous, as well she should be. But her spiritual director, not so much. But, at least for us, that will be changing, hopefully, over the course, God willing, over the course of the next uh, several months. You know, it might take a few years to go through this. But um, I just wanted to start from the beginning. And this is one of his longer uh, writings or excerpts. Um, what he had left behind was, uh, I do have the collection of his writings, but they're in French. They were never translated, uh, but they were at least published, edited. And um, they're mostly talks that he gave, um, notes that he made for himself while making the spiritual exercises, you know, making his, his, his yearly retreats, just notes that he made for himself that sort of thing, and they really are a treasure trove for, for all of us. It's wonderful, practical, and beautiful spirituality that this man had. So what I want to do is to start with this writing. It's just one, the chapter is just this one writing on the Holy Mass. And, you know, this is a man who really, just through the unlikely action of God, you know, becomes a spiritual director to this woman that he didn't know um, in this monastery of the visitation. And this devotion, which wasn't new, but it was not widely practiced, and now we understand it because of these two, but we don't really practice it, this is a great bridge of a devotion, and really I I hate to call it a devotion, because it is really, it's like the rosary, technically the rosary is a devotion, but as you know, uh, being a Catholic without the rosary is like trying to drive a car with three wheels, you know, you really need it, and I believe that it's the same way with devotion to the Sacred Heart. The Sacred Heart is an extension, a deepening of our understanding of the incarnation of Almighty God who enters into our world, who enters into creation, into into time and space. And we have in this devotion, and when, if we think of the sacred heart, the heart is the, the core, it's the nucleus, it is the center of God of Jesus. And many have said that the Sacred Heart and the Holy Eucharist are one and the same. So in this devotion, we learn to make the Mass our own, to live the Mass, to really, you know how they say that that you should never leave Mass early because you don't want to leave without the final blessing and that being missioned into the world, making the Mass your own, carrying the graces of the sacrifice of Golgotha into our darkened world. And the Sacred Heart devotion is a, a great way to do that, particularly the Guard of Honor, where you know, at least starting with one hour a day, 
we, we live that sacrifice, we think of and we make present in our mind the sacrifice of Golgotha. We stand for that one hour doing whatever we're doing. We stand at the foot of the cross and we offer the contents of that hour to console our Lord, to give him glory, love, and reparation. This is Christianity. If, if we're Christians just when we're at Mass, then that's absolutely pointless, and it will have very little impact on the world. The Mass must be lived, and it is through devotion to the Sacred Heart that we can, we can do this readily and easily. So this is what St. Claude has to say on Holy Mass, excuse me. And this is taken from one of his spiritual reflections. What am I doing for time? Okay, good. God is more honored by a single Mass than he could be by all actions of angels and men together, however fervent and heroic they might be. Yet how few hear Mass with the intention of giving God this sublime honor. How few think with joy on the glory a Mass gives to God. How few rejoice to possess the means of honoring him as he deserves. How seldom do we thank Jesus Christ that in doing away with all other sacrifices, he has left us a sacrifice that cannot fail to be pleasing to God, a thank offering proportionate to the benefits we have received from him, a victim capable of effacing the sins of the world. It may be that in praying, fasting, and giving alms, I offend God by my bad intention or by the way I act more than I glorify him. Perhaps my acts of penance merit punishment rather than cancel it, and my alms render me a still greater debtor to God. But when I hear Mass, when I offer the holy sacrifice as priest or as a member of the Church, I can, with full courage and confidence, defy heaven to do anything that pleases God more. Then I can ask for pardon and be sure of obtaining it no matter how great or numberless my sins. Whatever I hope for and desire, I can pray for confidently. I can ask for great graces of every kind for myself, my friends, and my enemies. And far from being ashamed at asking for so much, I shall know it is little in comparison with what I offer. My only fear is that I shall ask too little and not have a firm, unshakable hope of obtaining not only what I ask, but far more. If we only knew the treasure we hold in our hands, happy a thousand times those who know how to profit by the Mass. In this adorable sacrifice, they can find all things, graces, riches spiritual and temporal, favors for body and mind, for life and eternity. Yet, how often we must confess that we do not even think of using the treasure we possess, we do not even try to grasp it. What value do we set upon Holy Mass? With what intentions do we assist at it? How do we hear it? Some come from custom and human respect, and sometimes even from less worthy motives. At Mass, they are occupied with useless thoughts. They amuse themselves with looking at the decorations of the church or at the people. They talk and even yawn, not knowing how to occupy themselves. 
Have you never received any favors from God? And have you thanked him for them? Take care, lest through lack of gratitude you prevent God from showering his blessings upon you. It is a strange thing that we who are surrounded and loaded with God's blessings, we whom God has loved, preserved, and cherished from the first moment of our life until now, have never even thanked him as we ought. This we can do in Holy Mass. Wow, isn't that something? Um, And Holy Mass is about the Sacred Heart. It is the sacrifice of God made man. Do this in memory of me. But it is not a theatrical reenactment, nor are we killing Jesus all over again, as some of our critics claim. It is a, it is Golgotha. It is actual Golgotha. God created time and space. And so through his creation, which he can use in an infinite numbers, number of ways that we cannot unless we are united with him in prayer, he conveys, if you will, the sacrifice of his son. For those of us who are not present in or outside Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, here we are in Massachusetts in the year 2021, and he brings that to us. That is what the Mass is, and that is why the Mass is, there's nothing like it, is the most important thing at any given time, at any given place. It is more important, I don't care, summit meetings of, you know, Biden and Putin and whatever the name of the Chinese guy is, (laughs) whatever, and nothing comes even close in importance. 